Welcome to TLPA Fleet Forward, the podcast of the professional for hire transportation industry. TLPA Fleet Forward is brought to you by the Taxicab, Limousine, and Paratransit Association. Learn more about how they can help you grow your fleet at TLPA.org. Find them on Facebook and follow them on Twitter at TLPA Tweet. And now let's get to our show with your host, John Boyd. Hey, everybody, John Boyd here. Welcome to another edition of TLPA Fleet Forward. My co-host is Stacy Murray. Hey, Stacy, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, John. How are you? I'm great. All right. Stacy, we've got a pretty packed show today, as you know. We're going to be starting off with a very serious topic. There is something really disturbing that is happening in New York. Drivers are killing themselves. And part of that has to do with Uber. And we're going to discuss that. And to help make a little bit of sense out of it, we're going to be talking with Neil Weiss, the editor of Black Car News. We're also going to look ahead to some positive events. Stacy, who do we have for that on today's show? So this year is the 100th TLPA Annual Convention and Trade Show. So we took some time to talk with Terry O'Toole. He's the president-elect and the co-chair of the Convention Planning Committee. And he really sort of broke down for us what's new and exciting this year. And there's a new format, there's new topics, and the convention is really going to look unlike anything they've had previously. Plus, it is taking place in Vegas, which is totally a fan favorite of members. But I think the biggest takeaway from the chat that I had with Terry that we're going to hear here shortly is just how excited people are. Yes, they're taking time to talk about how to compete in this landscape, but really people are looking forward to the future and how they can make themselves better business people. And you know him, John. Terry's really enthusiastic, so he'll be great to catch up with later. Yeah, he's, he's got a ton of enthusiasm, so I'm looking forward to that. And then speaking of members, you know, learning how to grow their company and, and to build more business, the third story that we're going to wrap up with today on the podcast is uh, we're going to take you to Toledo, Ohio. We're going to talk with a woman who went from bookkeeper to owning her own transportation company. And more importantly, though, it's really the story of how Judy Potter, a TLPA member, has grown her operation to be almost entirely comprised of contracted work. That's an amazing success story. It's something that every TLPA member is, I'm sure, interested in, in knowing more about. So stick with us for that. So with that, Stacy, you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's get to our first story. In 2013, there were just under 50,000 for hire vehicles in New York City. Today, just five years later, that number has doubled to more than 100,000. About two thirds of those are Uber vehicles. Meanwhile, the price of a taxi medallion has gone from over $1 million to less than 200000 The competition for fares and passengers is the fiercest in history, leaving many drivers and medallion owners saddled with debt while their earnings have dropped precipitously. And so, early in the morning of February 5th of this year, New York black car driver Doug Shifter sat down to write a lengthy Facebook post about it. He wrote, I have been financially ruined because three politicians destroyed my industry and livelihood, and corporate New York stole my services at rates far below fair levels. I worked 100 to 120 consecutive hours almost every week for the past 14 plus years. When the industry started in 1981, I averaged 40 to 50 hours. I cannot survive any longer with working 120 hours. I am not a slave, and I refuse to be one. 
And with that, he drove to Lower Manhattan, parked at the East Gate of City Hall, the same gate used by the mayor every day, and killed himself with a shotgun. He was 61 years old. Here to talk about this with me is Neil Weiss, editor of Black Car News, who joins me from New York. Neil, thank you for coming on the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on. Now, Neil, you knew Doug Shifter. How did you know him, and what can you tell us about him? I came to know Doug when he sent me a letter to the editor to my newspaper, and uh, it was quite an angry tone, and it took me back for a second, but when I read through it, you know, a lot of what he was saying made a lot of sense, and some of what he was saying were things that I was thinking as well. So I called him, and uh, I asked him to write for the newspaper, and that's something he ended up doing for a couple of years. The thrust of most of his stories were, you know, uh, about the bad things that were going on in the industry, and he would name certain instances of things that had gone wrong, and, you know, it worked well for, uh, for my newspaper, but you could just see the decline over the course of that time. So he wasn't just a, a driver. He was, I mean, he was well-known to a lot of other drivers because of that column. Is that right? He became, I think, yeah, well-known. You know, people would write him letters, and um, he would talk to people on the street and, and tell some of their stories. And he was always fighting for, uh, for the drivers. I would say even more so than for himself. He, you know, he, he felt that he needed to try to help the industry and bring the drivers together. And unfortunately, it didn't, didn't quite work out. And after his death, what was the reaction of a lot of the other drivers in New York in the, in the days that followed? Well, on the day that it happened, I, I, a driver called me crying. I fielded a number of calls in the days after that from drivers who were saddened, and you know, the sadness sort of turned to anger, and they were they protested, and you know, his name still comes up. And it, you know, it, it appears that this wasn't the only suicide because of the pressures that have been put on professional drivers by Uber's massive influx into the city. I, I, am I correct that, that there were others? Yeah, there were, well, there was one uh, livery driver who I'm unsure of the circumstances of, of exactly what happened, but there, another livery driver had received a, a number of tickets for doing illegal street hails and was convinced he was going to you know, lose his car, and he, he jumped off a building. Then a taxi cab driver, a little more recently, um, hung himself. Doug Shifter said that he was specific in who he blamed. I mean, he blamed the mayor of New York. He blamed Mayor de Blasio he, for, for his financial troubles. You know, it's interesting that Mayor de Blasio says on his Twitter account that he is, quote, fighting every day to make New York the fairest big city in America. But Doug Shifter definitely felt that things were decidedly unfair. Do you think that politicians and regulators understand what's happening to an entire industry and an industry that has had to fight Uber with one hand tied behind its back because of the regulations that the city itself imposed? No, the city clearly had no idea what they were doing, and uh, they had multiple chances to step in and, and you know help fix the situation and they just kept letting it slip and slip and slip to the part to the point now where um, I, it's it's difficult to see a way forward for a lot of these people. I, I just there's just too many of them on the street. I can't imagine a way that people will be able to get out of their situation without getting hurt. Unfortunately, you know, after Mr. Shifter's death, 
and the other drivers that you mentioned, is it your sense that politicians in New York have engaged with taxi and limo drivers to ask them what they can do to help? Is there a dialogue that's going on now, or is it more business as usual? Um, there is a dialogue now. Um, after the fourth suicide, a lot more has been done. There's some bills have been written, and there's some attempts to, to make some changes that'll help fix the industry. But there's a lot of infighting and uh, a lot of they're putting too much stuff in there. Um, and it's, it's, some of it's not very well thought through. So it remains to be seen at this point how long it'll take for anything to actually happen. Are, is there anything in particular, like any concrete steps that you think the city needs to take, you know, right now or could take right now to help this situation in the immediate future? Yeah, I mean, I think they need to, uh, you know, establish a category that makes sense for the type of service that, you know, companies like Uber and Lyft uh, do. And I think they need to cap the number of vehicles that can drive around the city because that's just contributed to, to historically horrible traffic. And that, that in itself makes life worse for the drivers and, and cuts into their earning uh, abilities. At a certain point, you'd think that the residents of New York would say enough is enough. They're seeing the traffic, you know, it's getting hard to move in the city. I mean, I'm a little shocked that the people of New York themselves haven't risen up and said, we need to cap this. Like why, you know, it doesn't have to be the industry that's saying caps are there for a very good reason. Do you feel that there's any shift of opinion in the residents of New York? I do think there's some shift of opinion. I've been reading stories in, in recent weeks about that kind of thing where people refuse to use Uber or they're, you know, just telling stories of things that were bad. But, you know, inevitably it kind of comes back to that Uber provides these rides at, you know, a, a rate that's so low it's subsidized by uh, investor money. And so they have these super low rates and people push the button for the, for the cheap ride, you know, unfortunately, you know, and they, I guess they don't give as much thought as they, as maybe they should about uh, what they're doing to their own city and to inevitably to themselves. Cause it, those cheap rides just can't go on like that. It, it's not manageable. Well, I certainly hope that the city officials and the regulators are going to figure out the right, the right balance because it sounds like it is absolutely imbalanced at the moment. You know, before we go, I just want to mention that if a driver is feeling despondent or has thoughts of suicide, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. Neil, thank you very much for your thoughts today, and and we're very sorry for the loss of, for Doug Shifter's loss and for his family's loss, and we're thinking of you all. So thank you very much for, for coming on the show today. Okay, thank you, John. That was Neil Weiss, editor of Black Car News, joining us from New York. And we should note that since that interview was recorded, a fifth driver in New York has taken his life. Our hearts go out to their families. Hey everyone, it's Stacy here, and I have our next story. TOPA is in the midst of planning for its annual convention and trade show to be held in Las Vegas this year from October 27th to the 29th. But this just isn't any annual convention. It's a really, really big one. It's the 100th annual convention and trade show of this industry association. So you think you've seen one? Seen them all, right? Well, not so fast. Because TOPA is cooking up a lot of new ideas to make this the best 100th birthday party ever. 
Joining me from Kansas City to talk about this is Terry O'Toole, the TOPA president-elect and the regional vice president of TransDev On Demand in Kansas City. And he also happens to be the co-chair of this year's convention planning committee. So, Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Stacey. So I guess that as co-chair of the Convention Planning Committee, that makes you in charge of the biggest event in TLPA's history so far. Well, uh, no pressure there. <laughs> no, no. Actually, there's no pressure at all. Honestly, this is one of the most exciting things to work on at TLPA I've ever been involved with. We've got a ton of energy in the committee that we put together. We're working on making this event unforgettable for this year. And I can comfortably say we're aiming sky high. Vegas in 2018, when we pull this off, this is the year that people will come away from this meeting believing. They'll believe in the industry, they'll believe in the association, which is in reality the combined strength and knowledge of the individual members, and they will believe in themselves and their operations. This is always the most important event of the year for TLPA, and I can tell you this is one you don't want to miss. I've been to these great events. I was in Denver last year, and they are whirlwind. They are from dawn to dusk, and uh, to be honest, sometimes well into the evening. <laughs> so you have the educational sessions, and you have the trade show. What's new about this year? Well, one thing that someone would notice if they've come for prior years is we've changed the format from four days to three days. And that was in basically listening to the vendors and the operators and we basically truncated the event so we could pack more of it into a lesser time and have people away from their businesses left. We've redesigned the panel discussions, much more of a learning lab kind of interactive experience. So that's going to be different than all the years prior. And we're working on some top-notch speakers for the general sessions. Where in years gone by, we've relied heavily on members for insight and presentation. This year, we're expanding the reach of the presenters. Now, the members do have a lot to offer in knowledge and expertise, and you'll, of course, see some of the activities led by them, but you're also going to see speakers throughout the event from beginning to end who are from outside the industry, fantastic presenters who have new, fresh ideas on the changing world. The trade show is filling up quickly. We're going to have some incredible opportunities to network, of course, from the annual golf tournament, the chance to gather around some new technologies. I can't reveal too much too soon because we're working on a lot of this. It's, it's uh, you know, poetry in motion right now. But I can say this thing is going to be a new kind of experience for anybody who's been to it before. I have helped with planning in previous years, and it seems like it's starting much earlier this year. So how has the response been from sponsors and vendors sort of on that point? It's been tremendous. You know, the trade show floor is already starting to fill up. And that's exciting as we've seen a tremendous response on sponsorship. We can't be thankful enough we've sold two premium sponsors already. Having them sign up this early is really an indication you shouldn't delay in snapping up on some of these opportunities. The vendors who have supported the TLPA over the years are invaluable. If you walked our convention floor in 2008 and didn't come back until 10 years later this year in Vegas, you'd be amazed by the difference. 2018 will resemble a technology convention as much as a transportation convention. Whether it be an insurance company showing you how to use cameras, tablets, cell phones to reduce your risk, there are going to be dispatch companies with interactive driver scoring system allowing you to better utilize your fleet, electric cars, autonomous cars, IVR phone system. I really get excited just thinking about it. 
Trust me, member vendor, this will be the best convention in years, the place to demonstrate your wares and the place to come and learn about what is new in the industry. What do you think is going to be sort of the overall theme of the convention this year? Yeah, great. Well, besides some, the improvements to the format, the main thing is simple, helping fleet operators believe in themselves, showing them ways to turn this belief into increased earnings. I want people, when they leave, to say four things. The first thing I want them to say is, I learned one, or I learned two, I learned three. You tell me the number. They tell me the number. New ideas that I'll take back and implement. Second, I'd like to hear them say to me when they're leaving, I met a new member or solidified an existing relationship with a person I already knew, and I'm going to keep in touch. I'm going to create my own sounding board. Many of these people that come to this convention are at a level that they need idea bouncers. They might not have, when they're running their own organization, they've got a lot of people that work for them, but they don't have people at their level that they can bounce stuff off. You can get that at the TLPA. You meet these people and you figure out who they are and you keep in touch with them. Third, it's real important to me, the positive energy from the events will send them back with a renewed belief in what they're doing and help them propel them going forward. So they take all this energy that comes out of this and they go back, and the goal is to believe in it and pass it down to the people that work for you. And, yeah, the, the fourth thing I'd like them to say is, yeah, I had a damn good time in Vegas at the TLPA meeting. Somewhere out there, there's a fleet executive listening to this podcast. They haven't ever been to one of these conventions. And what advice would you give to that executive? You know, how can that person get the most out of this event? Well, first thing I'd say is get on a plane and come on out to the meeting. You know, there'll be a, all sorts of things for you to do when you get there. Step two, come see me. I'll make sure you have hundreds of new friends and business contacts by the time you leave. Honestly, there's, you're not going to find a better place to network, to see the latest technology, to meet people who face the exact same challenges that you do every day. It's a giant sort of master's class in fleet management all rolled into three days in Las Vegas. Most of all, you'll make friends for life who are willing to help, you, help out a fellow operator. I wouldn't be where I am without the TLPA and the people I've met through this great organization. And that's a refrain you'd hear over and over again from the people who attend. Last question here. TLPA is 101 years old, but this is just the 100th convention. Why is that? Ah, Stacy, you did the math. Very good. Well, the short explanation is the TLPA was founded in 1917, but there were travel restrictions during World War I, and it prevented the group from meeting, so they missed one year. But we're going to make up for it this year with a, we'll call it a double year in 2018 for our current meeting. That said, it's a wonderful question that brings a little bit longer answer. Think for a second what the industry has faced in the last hundred years two world wars, a depression, rampant inflation, an oil embargo, regulation of the industry, deregulation of the industry, possibly looking at re-regulation. These are just naming a few things. The world continues to evolve and change. We're seeing it right now. But as we have for the last 101 years, this industry and this association will prevail. I hope to see many new faces and many old friends in Las Vegas in October. Well, we can all say uh, Viva Las Vegas. We can't wait to be there. We're excited to lead up to Las Vegas here in October. So thank you, Terry, for taking time to chat with us about the convention. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Stacey. I'll see you in October.
All right, that was Terry O'Toole, Vice President of TOPA, speaking to us from Kansas City, where he is Regional Vice President of Transev On Demand. Want to know more about the big plans for Vegas and the TOPA's 100th Annual Convention and Trade Show? Just visit www.tlpa.org and click on Meetings and Education. Let's face it, the question on every fleet operator's mind these days is, how can I grow my business? Yes, these are challenging times, but some people have seen remarkable success. Joining me to talk about this is Judy Potter, president of Black and White Transportation, who joins me from her office in Toledo, Ohio. Judy, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. All right. So Judy, let's start off with, tell me just a little bit about your company. Well, I'll start from the beginning, I guess. I answered an ad to be a bookkeeper in 1992, and it was with U.S. Transportation Systems. And I started as the bookkeeper, ended up being the general manager. In 1996, they decided they wanted to sell their company. The company that was purchasing them didn't want to have some smaller divisions, black and white uh, being one of them. So in 1997, we purchased it. We had 40 vehicles, six employees, and probably about, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 independent contractor drivers. And as of today, we run anywhere from 170 vehicles that we either own or manage. We have just shy of 100 employees, and we have over 250 independent contractors. Wow. So it's that's sort of an American-made success story, you know, starting from the ground up or working your way from the ground up. In 2016, you were named the TLPA's Paratransit and Contracting Operator of the Year. And at that time, the CEO of TLPA, Al Agassi, uh, he said something that really struck me. He said, Judy has shown, this is a quote, Judy has shown the entire transportation industry what smart expansion looks like. So what does smart expansion look like for you and how did you do it? Well, we invested back into our company. We listened to our clients. We pride ourselves on being customer-centric, having integrity, doing what's best for the community, kind of like trying to put ourselves in the chair of the client. What do they want? What do they need? So in 2001, we started out with the city of Bowling Green on a very small scale. We managed their uh, rural transit system, which caters to the elderly and disabled mostly. All the vehicles are um, converted minivans with wheelchair lifts. And then as we were going to different events around the Toledo and surrounding area, we just kept hearing the same thing over and over and over again. There isn't enough accessibility for those in need, the the disabled. So we start asking questions. We start working with grassroots uh, social service agencies. And with that, we started to expand. And right now we run about 32 wheelchair accessible vehicles and sedans for that community. Was it hard to figure out, you know, how to get into that world? You know, how to respond to RFPs? Well, I started asking questions when I would go to the conventions for the TLPA. Okay, what are you doing to get more business? And people started talking about find a RFP and there's several different types of online products like that. So I just signed up for them all. And I put in keywords. I put in contracting. I put in wheelchair accessible. I put in the elderly, the disabled, you know, those type of keywords and to see what would come back. And that's really how we started the contracting business. 
Can you give a ballpark figure of what percentage of your business is now contracting? Between our paratransit division and our taxi division, I would say 85% of that is contracted, either NEMT, courier service. We do a lot of work with the larger pharmacies where we pick up and deliver meds. We work with hospitals. We deliver surgical equipment. We do some shuttle work for them. I I think that's great. And I think that's really exemplary. I mean, there there are plenty of fleets out there that are they're trying to make that transition into contracting because there are loads of opportunities in that. But it sounds like you've you've really had a, an eye toward that for many years. And it's really the fruits of that labor are evident. So you've had an eye toward the contracts, but as a former bookkeeper, I'm going to guess that you have always had an eagle eye on the bottom line every day. That would be a fair assessment. Yes. I love numbers. I like to crunch numbers. I look at our bank accounts every day. I look at cash flow statements. You know, I ask the questions to the banker. What if I want to do this? You know, what's this going to do to my bottom line? And, you know, how's it for the bank? You know, is this something that we're going to be able to do because we don't want to overextend ourselves? So I work real closely with our banker and with we have a controller now that we just hired about a year ago. And I ask a lot of questions with her. Prior to your bookkeeping days, you also served in the U.S. Navy. It's seeming like you've lived several lives already. What did, can you tell us, what did you do in the Navy and what skills did you gain there that you feel you can put to use every day with your company? Well, I served as a torpedoman's mate in the Navy. I built torpedoes, Mark 46 and Mark 48, land to air, air to land or water, I guess I should say. I think probably the biggest takeaway from the Navy is leadership skills. It taught me to work as a team and to become a leader. I want to switch over to the drivers because obviously drivers are very important as well as your operations staff. What do you look for in your company when you're hiring drivers and those uh, staff members? We have a set of core values here and, and the top core value is integrity. And we look at people who have integrity. Plus, we look for people who are just just nice people and have good manners and um, are personable because you can make them into good drivers. You can have a good driver, but that driver may not be what you would want. So I look at it as integrity. If they have manners, they're nice, they're personable. Those are the type of people that we want. We want our clients to feel safe when they're in the vehicles with our drivers. Now, I'm guessing with, with so much of your business is contracting, I'm guessing that you haven't really been affected by Uber and Lyft, but is that correct? Yes and no. It's correct in the, in the fact that Uber and Lyft are here in Toledo, and they have been for some time, but they're not prolific like they are in the bigger cities. With us being a smaller market and somewhat insulated from tourism, like we don't have a lot of tourism here. We don't have a lot of people that come here and those that do usually drive. So we only see Uber and Lyft on uh, big holidays, you know, New Year's, St. Patty's Day, you know, 4th of July, that type of stuff. And when the universities and the colleges are in full gala, so to speak, they are, they're out there. The kids transport each other around as Uber and Lyft drivers. Your future is very much tied to the contracting. So you're, you're feeling confident about the future, would you say? Absolutely. Yes. 
And speaking of the future, uh, we've got a big TLPA event coming up in October. It's the 100th Convention and Trade Show, which is going to be in Las Vegas, Caesars Palace. It's October 26th to the 29th. First question, are you going to be going to that? Absolutely. All right. And you've been to many of these in the past. What advice would you have for someone who might be new to TLPA? How can they get the most out of it the way you've gotten the most out of it? There are a gazillion years of knowledge amongst everybody that goes to those conferences, especially the, I guess, old timers. I'm not sure that some people would like to be called that, but, and it's all under one roof and just tap into that knowledge. Ask the questions because you will get an answer and get involved, get involved with the the committees, whether it's the taxicab committee, the paratransit, you know, whatever new committee is coming out, get involved and, you know, just saturate yourself with all the people around you because they can help you. 100% they can help you. If it wasn't for the TLPA, our ground transportation industry probably would not be here today. They did a fabulous job fighting Uber and Lyft and helping so many people stay in business. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you there, and I can't wait to hear. I mean, that's only a few months away, but I'm sure that you will have grown your business even more between now and then. Judy, congratulations on all the successes that you've had so far, and thanks for uh, you know for sharing all your insights with us today. We really appreciate it, Judy. Thank you very much for having me, and have a great day. That was Judy Potter, president of Black and White Transportation, joining us from Ohio. Well, there's that music again, which says we've come to the end of another TLPA Fleet Forward podcast brought to you by the Taxi Cab Limousine and Paratransit Association. If you are a transportation fleet owner and you are not yet a member of TLPA, what are you waiting for? Find out how TLPA can help you grow your fleet at TLPA.org, or you can email us at info at TLPA.org. You can find us on Facebook at TLPA, and of course, you can follow us on Twitter at TLPA Tweet. My podcast co-host and producer is Stacy Murray, and I'm your host, John Boyd. Until next time, let's keep those fleets moving forward, everybody. 